I am so delighted this morning to uh, invite our guest speaker to come. Uh, and we, uh, uh, Pastor Chris and his wife Kylie have been dear friends of ours uh, for a few years now. Uh, if you want to know anything about the food scene in um, KW or Toronto, Pastor Chris is your man for that. Uh, we have learned about some great restaurants from them. That's mostly why we're friends. And... Um, if you just want to follow on Instagram, Pastor of Foodcations, that's uh, Pastor Chris Padieth. But more importantly, um, I deeply respect and trust this man of God to bring the word this morning. Uh, he is the senior pa- lead pastor of uh, Waterloo Pentecostal Assembly here uh, in the KW region, of course. And it is my delight to invite Pastor Chris. Pastor Chris, come and bring us the word. Let's greet him as he comes. Amazing. So beautiful to be with you this morning, and uh, God is on the move. God's holy presence is in this place, and I'm so excited to share here at Freedom, and uh, to all those who are off-site, I've been told you're off-site, some of you here, I'm saying hello to each and every one of you. Thanks for joining us online, and I hope that you'll be encouraged this morning as we learn from God's word, as we start this new series called Empowered. We are empowered people by the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I want to open with an introductory message about the availability of the Holy Spirit. And then in the weeks to come, Pastor Tracy and the team will teach you about the Spirit-empowered specific people in specific times, specific roles, specific ministries, specific reasons, all in the Old Testament and in the New Testament after Pentecost and even now. He empowers all of us every day. Do you believe that today? Scripture this morning comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 to 22. Uh, we have a tradition at my church. I, I'm sure I could share the tradition here. Can you stand in honor of the reading of God's word? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 to 22. And the scripture says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. But test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. Let's pray. Father, today we invite your Holy Spirit. It's already here. It's been moving in our time of worship. And now as we open the word of God, we look to you, O God, to send your Holy Spirit to illuminate and to reveal your truth to us. Give us the eyes to see. Give us the ears to hear today what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. And we're open today. Can we just, in this place, we just declare that we are open to the movement of the Holy Spirit. We are not afraid. We're not anxious. We're not going to be troubled by the past and the past abuses we've seen in churches. No, today's a new day because the Holy Spirit is doing a new thing at Freedom in Christ Church today. And so we open ourselves to you, O God. Would you teach us from your word, instruct us that we may live and obey. We ask for your blessing, God. I seek your empowerment right now, even as I preach to your people. Be glorified today in Jesus' name. Everyone set? Amen. You may be seated. Pentecostals today, this is a Pentecostal church, so I can say this. Pentecostals are at a major crossroads today. We claim to have this knowledge of the Holy Spirit, but we resist, and we tend to resist, the movement of the Holy Spirit. And we have forfeited so much of our distinctive beliefs, and so we need to reevaluate what the Bible considers normal, normative, for individual believers and for the corporate church at large. 
If you're new to church today, you've never heard of the Holy Spirit, we believe that God is one. And yet we believe that God is three persons. God reveals himself to us in the Trinity as Father, as Son, and as Spirit. And so in Scripture, we see the Holy Spirit doing a lot of things, a lot of activity, interacting with people in several ways. One of those ways is the Holy Spirit enables believers to bear the fruit of the Spirit, which are godly character traits, in accordance with what we see in Galatians chapter 5. The Holy Spirit empowers believers to exercise spiritual gifts, ways that we can encourage one another in accordance with 1 Corinthians. The Holy Spirit baptizes believers with the evidence of speaking in tongues and experience which encourages one's own self in accordance with the book of Acts. So the Holy Spirit is at work throughout Scripture, and the Holy Spirit is at work in your lives today. See, theologians often talk about the Holy Spirit in a very academic way, as a subject to be studied, or maybe in an argumentative way, as a defense for the Holy Spirit. But today, we need to talk about the Holy Spirit in an applied way, in a very practical way. How does the Holy Spirit function in the local church? There's a significant amount of argument that continues to brew among two camps of believers out there. Maybe you've heard of this before. Maybe you've never heard of this before. And they're a little bit of a theological word, but there's two groups, cessationists. Cessationists believe that all those spiritual gifts ended with the age of the apostles. They are no more. They don't exist anymore. We can't have them. And then there's continuationists, and they believe that all the spiritual gifts have continued to this present age. And so they're available for every one of us. Continuationists will ask questions like this. Why would the Holy Spirit distribute gifts to the church only to retract the availability of those gifts and to do so without explicitly mentioning it in Scripture? Why believe that only some and not all gifts died with the apostles? Tongues, prophecy, healing, miracles. And if one of the many spiritual gifts are eliminated, how can the body of Christ ever be fully edified? How can the body of Christ be encouraged today? Well, the Holy Spirit is available to more people than the 12 apostles more than the 120 that gathered at the day of Pentecost or the members of the church in Corinth. The Holy Spirit, my friends, is available to all believers, transcending church history and spreading across the face of this world. Isn't that good news? And if you and I, we carefully study the Bible together, I believe you will be convinced that the Bible is continuationist through and through. There is no expiry date on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is as available now as it was before. And the day of Pentecost, of course, it's that historical day to remember. But it's meant to be an everyday reality for us as believers. So Freedom in Christ Church, you are a Pentecostal church. You always were, you always are, and you always will be. Somebody say amen today. All right, great. I'm in the right place. So let's turn our attention to the Apostle Paul's final instructions to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 22, concerning the availability of the Holy Spirit. And to illustrate this today, you see this traffic light, and you're like, uh-oh, what's he going to do? And I'm going to liken each point that I share with you today to a color on the traffic light. Now, I'm going to make this disclaimer at first. It might be bright. 
I think you're going to realize how bright these lights really are. Because in darkness and in daylight, they still need to shine. So if it is somewhat blinding to you, I just ask you to just bear with me and tilt in your seat or, or just do something to find yourself in an okay purview here, okay? And so first, let's begin this morning. The first point, a congregation that quenches the spirit. We find this in verse 19. And the first light we encounter in the scripture is the red light, which means, of course, to stop. Oh, it's bright. I know. And the scripture says, do not quench the spirit. Are you hearing that today? Do not quench the spirit. See, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is a major biblical thread in the Bible. And the Holy Spirit is not a novelty of the New Testament, but it was foundational to the ministry even in the Old Testament. Moses, he had longed for a day when all would prophesy in Numbers eleven twenty nine. Joel had envisioned an outpouring of the Spirit in Joel 2, 28 to 29. Peter then, he confirmed this event. This was that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in Acts 2, 17 to 18. And then Paul in the New Testament, he encourages believers to seek spiritual gifts, especially prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14.1. And to not continue, friends, in the power of the Holy Spirit is to quench the Spirit. Donald Gee, in his book concerning spiritual gifts, he observed this, that there is a strong indication that the assembly at Thessalonica erred in the opposite extreme of the assembly at Corinth by suppressing and despising inspired utterances. And so the word quench, what does it mean to quench something? The word quench means to extinguish something. It is as if churches have been operating with fire extinguishers in their hands, and the moment they sense the Holy Spirit at work, they see flames of the Holy Spirit, they grab one of these red cylinders, they pull the pin, and they quench what is the Holy Spirit. What, have been, what has been overcome? We have been overcome, sorry, with excessive fear with a sense of control because we doubt the authenticity of the source and the sincerity of the individual who's being filled with the Holy Spirit. But spiritual gifts are given for when the church gathers to worship. But if we do not use them, then what is their benefit? See, spiritually vital congregations, they adapt to the moving of the Holy Spirit instead of making the Holy Spirit adapt to them. We must spend our days, our time, our fellowship, our worship together, all those moments. We spend that time seeking the Holy Spirit, both in the stillness and in the spontaneity. Admiral Hopper of the U.S. Navy popularized this saying, it is easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to get permission. I'm going to take a risk here today. I'm going to say this. It is better for you to explore your spiritual gifts and make mistakes than to quench the gifts altogether. The reality is that we will make mistakes along the way. We are human beings. But here's the thing. We need to remain teachable. And I've seen many people not process correction well in the local church. Many people will be corrected and they'll be offended and then they'll go leave that church. Never make the mistake of believing that you're the only gifted person in the room. The reason God has placed pastors among you 
is to help you understand what the instructions of Scripture are. As under-shepherds of the great chief shepherd, pastors must correct in accordance with the Scripture, knowing that we will be held accountable to the Lord for how we lead and direct and shepherd the flock that God has entrusted into our care. Therefore, biblical correction is not quenching the Spirit. Secondly, today, I know this might be blinding for you, so hopefully you get some relief here for a little bit. The second point I want to make today is that a congregation that is contemptuous against the Spirit. Verse 20. And the second light we encounter in the Scripture is the yellow light, which means caution. Hopefully this is less blinding, maybe not. And the Scripture says, do not treat prophecies with contempt. What is the meaning of that word contempt? This word contempt brings to mind a legal offense. I consulted with a former retired Ontario judge to gain a better understanding of this concept. And contempt of court is disobedience to a court order or disrespect for the authority of the court of law. It It can be pronounced when the presiding judge is disrespected. It can be pronounced when the people gathered for the case are disrespected. It can be pronounced when the governing systems and protocols of the court are disrespected. And while it's a rare occurrence, of course, it is a serious offense. And it can result in a penalty of a fine or even jail time. See, Paul is warning the Thessalonians that a critical spirit is a spiritual offense against the Holy Spirit. Are we disrespecting the authority of the Holy Spirit as a judge? Are we disrespecting the body of Christ who are those witnesses that are empowered by the Spirit? Are we disrespecting the rules outlined in Scripture for us that are meant to protect the church? For if any of these are true, then we are to be held in spiritual contempt. Ephesians 4, 29 to 30 provides the corrective for us. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You see, the Holy Spirit has sealed us for redemption, and it's that same Holy Spirit that bestows on us the spiritual gifts. Sometimes we like certain things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives, and then there's other things we're like, ooh, not so sure. It's not a different spirit. It's not a divided spirit. We are talking about one and the same spirit. And Paul is cautioning the Ephesian believers to be cautious about speaking poorly about the church. Remember, the church is the bride of Christ. And so at the sign of spiritual gifts, I've heard people say this. Maybe you've heard these words before. There there he or she goes again. Here we go. I've seen people roll their eyes. You know that emoji. There's that rolling eyes emoji. When someone is trying to be obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, You cannot expect blessing from the Spirit if you curse the Spirit. So beware of that hypocrisy of James chapter 3, verse 9, where with the tongue we praise our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. And thirdly, today, a congregation that tests the spirits. Find this in verse 21 and verse 22. And the third light we encounter in the Scripture is the green light. Hopefully this is okay too. 
I tried to put a dimmer switch on it. It just didn't work. I know I can be honest with you, but scripture says, verse 21, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. And we know that human beings are fallible. And even with the greatest intentions, we as human beings, even as we're empowered by the Spirit, we can still make mistakes. We can still err. And while we can be inspired by the Holy Spirit, our words are not infallible like God's words. And the scriptures encourage us to test all prophecy because some may prophesy, and here I'm going to make a word, others may prophesy. It's the truth. Some may prophesy and some may prophesy. And we see false prophets in scripture in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. But while we are used by God, we are still in control of what we say and of what we do. And if we're fully submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit, who is infallible, I trust that the message will be good. I trust that the message will be encouraging. I trust that the church of God will be built up. But we are not inspired to the point where you and I can say, thus says the Lord. And we can use the Holy Spirit as a trump card for anything we want to say, anything that we might have an agenda for. But neither do you need to use old English. Have you heard that before? New King James Version or King James Version language in order to enhance your delivery. Sometimes I feel like we want to be Shakespearean here. The Lord says to all God's people, I don't think that's what we need to do. We need to be ourselves. We need to be who we are. We need to speak plainly so that others may understand plainly. Let's not overcomplicate things. We speak only what we sense the Holy Spirit saying. I want to share with you three tests that we can all use very practically to filter all spirit-inspired messages. And the first test is this. It's a discernment test. The body of Christ, God has given to the body of Christ a basic level of discernment because the Holy Spirit resides within you. Isn't that awesome? You are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in you. As a result of that, there's just a basic level of discernment in the body. 1 Corinthians 2.14 teaches us that the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. That means you need the Holy Spirit in order to discern the work of the Spirit. Are you following with me today? See, apart from the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit look like absolute foolishness in our eyes, and they sound like foolishness to our ears, but with the Spirit, there's meaning. God has also blessed the body of Christ with individuals who have been entrusted with spiritual gifts, in particular, a spiritual gift referred to in 1 Corinthians 12, 10, which is the distinguishing of spirits. We need to be certain of whether the Holy Spirit, the human spirit, or a demonic spirit is speaking. And I hope it's not the last case. But to not test a message that does not resonate in our hearts or edify the congregation is an invitation for disorder. And I know you don't want that. I know you want everything to be filled with order. You want everything to be intelligible. You want it to be useful for the body. It's also possible that one, of, uh, one who uses the gift of discernment might be discerning in the flesh rather than discerning in the spirit. And so we all 
Uh, we need all those with discernment to function with their gifting. Your preferences must be discarded when you exercise spiritual gifts. And I believe that God can use some of you to share your gift of discernment with your pastors, with your leaders, as a way to affirm, as a way to dismiss a message. You can say, Pastor, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure about that message that was shared during our service. It just didn't resonate in my heart. I'm struggling with it. Can you help me understand? Was I missing something? And we can have those kinds of conversations. I know you can have those conversations at this church. Furthermore, pastors and elders are often spiritually gifted or must ask the Holy Spirit to heighten their level of discernment in their roles as overseers in the congregation. So when in doubt, we must be able to look at our own church leaders for discernment in a moment. And they will guide you. And they will walk with you. And they will explain what they sense the Lord is doing in the room. But in general... Churches must learn to weigh what is said. In 1 Corinthians 14, 29, we find a practical instruction where Paul says two or three prophets should speak and the others should what? They should weigh carefully what is said. Are you weighing and are you weighing whatever messages are given? The Spirit is in you individually, but the Spirit is in us collectively, and it must bear witness to the Spirit in the message. Secondly, we find the Scripture test. The Scripture test talks about looking at the Word of God as the real test of knowing if something is of God or not of God. With the New Testament epistles, we have scriptures against which we can compare our corporate experiences together. We can say, okay, I'm experiencing this right now. Is this in line with God's word? Is this something that we find in scripture or not? And if we lack the evidence of the order, if we lack the evidence of the intelligibility outlined in 1 Corinthians 14, then we immediately know something is amiss. Something is wrong. And while inspired by the Holy Spirit, the spiritual messages are not equal to the Word of God. They must be confirmed by the Word of God. So 1 Thessalonians 2.13 tells us, and we also thank God continually, because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but as it actually is, the Word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. We want to make sure this is a word from the Lord. When Paul first met with the Thessalonians, the words he uttered were not automatically the inspired scripture that we see them as today. The New Testament was not compiled yet. And this was just a letter to a group of people. Yes, it would be later considered inspired altogether with all of scripture and the canon of scripture. But it was just a letter at its base value. Paul's words were not persuasive human words, but were rooted in God's word. The Old Testament and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the person with a prophecy that has no scriptural basis brings an empty word to the church. Earlier in Acts 17, verse 11, we see Jews who carefully assess the validity of Paul's words to them. And the scripture says, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness. But catch this. They examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. 
What did they do? They tested what they were hearing against the testimony of God's word. And I believe there's a transferable principle here for us. We need to know God's word. We have to hide it in our heart. It should be in our minds. It should be upon our lips. We should know it in and out, meditate on it day and night so that we know where to look in scripture in order to verify if something is from God or not. May God make us more. May God make us more like the brain Christians who utilize the scriptures to test anything and everything. Here's the final test. The final test is the love test. Wedged in between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 is 1 Corinthians 13, a chapter totally devoted to love. And in the majority of weddings that I officiate or that I attend, couples consider incorporating a scripture reading from 1 Corinthians 13. It's so beautiful. It's so eloquent. It's almost poetic. And contextually, this scripture has nothing to do with marriage. That's the funny part. It has nothing to do. It's beautiful, but it has nothing to do with marriage. It has everything to do with the motivation that must lie behind the operation of the spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3 offers a litmus test for us. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. See, I understand that it's hard to love people you do not know. It's even harder to love people you do not like who have wronged you. And the purpose of spiritual gifts is to bring us into this beautiful, closer relationship with one another, not just with God, but with each other. Love is the biblical trademark of all spiritual gifts. Love for God, love for all his people. And in doing so, we fulfill the great commandment. And yet we live in this world full of artificial, full of superficial love. My question to you today is, are you using your spiritual gifts within the parameters of love? You can test your spiritual gifts against the standard of love found in 1 Corinthians 13, 48, the remainder of that portion of scripture. For love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. This list should characterize both the givers and the receivers of spiritual gifts. We give our spiritual gifts in love. We receive the benefit of spiritual gifts in love. So as I conclude today, I'm going to turn on all these lights. Let's see if this is blinding. Oh, no. Okay, but you get the idea. I'll keep it off. (laughs) 
For the record, I didn't steal this. I know you're, you're probably wondering, Bleams Road has like no lights there because this pastor from KW, whoever, I don't know who Pastor Tracy has invited here, but he stole the light and now there's no light there. No, uh, this is a decommissioned light from the city of Oshawa, which I purchased and uh, I've been using it now for several years. So it gets multi-use, it gets used in our, our, our youth ministry, in our kids ministry, and sometimes on Sundays. And so I didn't steal it, just for the record, okay? I am not a thief. I kind of felt guilty all week driving all around the city with a traffic light in my trunk. That kind of felt odd. You you know, it's been said that you will spend six months of your life sitting behind traffic lights. Think about that for a second. Six months of your life. Wow. What a waste of time. (laughs) Yeah, I came across a solution to this. I hope you'll, you'll, you'll be intrigued by this. How many people love cars here? Okay, a few car lovers here. Well, good. I came across what I think could be a solution. I watched an Audi commercial that was promoting a technology that detected traffic light information, making it possible to go from green light to green light. Are you ready for this? Take a look at this video. Audi has been leading the race toward a piloted driving future since we tested the first autonomous TTS at the Bonneville Salt Flats in 2009. Since then, our piloted cars have climbed legendary mountains, beaten back track times, and even driven from San Francisco to Las Vegas. But a truly autonomous future depends on a vehicle's ability to communicate and know the world around it. As the industry leader in mobile connectivity solutions, we are adding yet another to our long list of firsts. Introducing traffic light information. City traffic lights today are often controlled by a central traffic control system. Audi has collaborated with providers to receive this data in select cities. When an equipped Audi comes into a monitored traffic light zone, it requests the light phase information from Audi data servers. If at a red light, the system displays the time until the light turns green. A better informed driver means a less stressed driver. Traffic light information is the first step to an incredibly connected smart city. Eventually, city grids will not just send, but will also receive data from road traffic, getting real-time updates when and where surges are taking place to adjust traffic light times. Imagine, no more waiting at a red light while green cross lanes are empty. The city could then understand where bottlenecks have formed in real time and adjust traffic light signals to optimize traffic flow. And this is just the beginning. Audi is pioneering a future where cars aren't just sensing their surroundings, but communicating with the city and the other cars on the road. The first steps are here with traffic light information, available only from Audi as part of an Audi Connect Prime subscription. Now I know somebody's gonna go home and say we need to buy an Audi today. I don't know, best of luck on winning that battle at home, but just think about this for a moment as we conclude today. What if you and I could spiritually drive green light to green light? Wouldn't that be neat? What if instead of quenching or having contempt for the Spirit, we trusted the Spirit as our traffic controller? The only way we can drive forward as a church is by testing the spirit with discernment and with scripture and with love. Only then can we move through the green lights towards all that God has in store for us as a church here. 
See, it's not profitable if one of us moves forward with green light after green light while the others of us just idle at a red light or we even risk moving it all through a yellow light. If that happens, then guess what? We're gonna expect some more collisions. But friends, we all need to be pursuing the Holy Spirit together. And that's why I've come this morning to open up your series and to say, be empowered, be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and in your church. See, from now on, I hope that every time that you see a traffic light, because you're gonna spend six months behind it, you might as well do something spiritual while you're at it. I hope that it'll be a reminder to you that you would evaluate your openness to the Holy Spirit. This morning, I'm inviting you to discover and to recover our Pentecostal distinctives, our green light by saying yes. Would you say that just even simply, yes. Just say yes this morning. We say yes to everything that the Holy Spirit has available to us. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit has been moving and working all the way throughout this service. And we've been attuned to your voice, God. And even in this moment, Lord, I just pray that for those who are closed off, for those who have experienced maybe some uh, abuses that they've seen in their church and they're fearful and even confused, maybe they need explanation today, I pray that we would take one step forward in the right direction to having a green light towards the Holy Spirit. We say, come Holy Spirit, come in our lives, not just on Sundays, but from Monday to Saturday. Come and lead us and guide us and direct us. Lead us forward, Father. Lord, this church has more to accomplish. It has a great legacy and you're not done yet. There's so much more that you want to accomplish. As a sister church, we speak blessing over freedom in Christ church. We, we stand behind them. We hold their hand. We celebrate their victories, God. We say, yes, Lord, pour out your spirit on your sons and your daughters. May the young and old see visions and dreams, God. May this be that Pentecostal church, God. Of course, a community church, but a Pentecostal church at its core DNA. May we be empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak with boldness, empowered by the Spirit, to do great exploits for the kingdom of God. And so, Father, I pray your blessing upon this church, Lord. I'm so excited to see what you'll do in the next days, weeks, months, and years, Lord, as they navigate the course of the Spirit. May they be led by you to deeper places. And so, Father, we just pray blessing upon them today, and we stand with them forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor Tracy. Stay there, Pastor Chris. This is like, you guys did so good. Good job, everybody. They were like, we are enduring this because we are receiving the word <laughs> with a red light in our face. Well done. Yes, well done very all. well done. Well done Thank all. you. But also so memorable for them yeah, yeah. for the rest of their lives. I hope so. So I'm listening to your message today and um, love. I just, I, I, I obviously knew I did the PowerPoint, so I knew what you were going to say. Um, but also, I, I think that some of the hesitation, especially for those of us who I, I like that you referenced, some of us have seen abuses. Absolutely. People who have kind of gone off the rails or spoken as though it was the Lord and yeah. definitely was not. We've maybe seen those kinds of things. Or some of us just didn't grow up at all mm -hmm. or have any experience in a, in a congregation where the Holy Spirit was discussed, let yeah. alone what you just talked about, inviting him to like move and, and to speak and to be used and, and to go green lights, like all that kind of stuff. So if somebody's either hesitant or at the beginning or un, unknowing what to do and it's like, you know what? I like that. I like that for you. 
like that for Pastor Tracy, like that for some of the spiritual people. But I just, I'm just loving Jesus. Yeah. I'm good. I'm yeah. good where I am, but I'm super happy for you. Like yeah. you do you. Yeah. I'm like, love that. Yeah. What would be like the thing you would say, hey, why? Why, sure. why bother um, pressing into this and leaning into this and really uh, receiving this word this morning? Yeah, you know, one thing I'd want to encourage you with, church, today is that we don't want to divide God in himself. We don't want to say, well, I'm cool with Jesus. I understand the Father's out there somewhere, you know, sitting on his throne, you know, like big God. And then the Holy Spirit, like, what is this? No, this is three God, one person. There's a unity in that. You can't just seek after Jesus and miss the Holy Spirit. That's not how it works. And so we seek after God the Father, uh, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one. We don't divide the Trinity in itself. And you know what? I think God is, is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on somebody. I don't think he wants it to look crazy. I think he wants it to be authentic, real, meaningful, not forced. Right. Just to be earnestly sought. The one thing I ask my church all the time is, are you earnestly seeking are you earnestly seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Are you earnestly seeking to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit? Are you earnestly seeking? And that means like, am I really, really doing this? Or am I just pretending? Or am I going through the motions? And so I would just say, be true to that. And if you've never experienced, if you've experienced abuses in church, it's important. I have myself as a pastor. I've experienced that firsthand. And I, I know people have good intentions, but it is often as a result of a lack of teaching and a lack of correction. And so what I would encourage you at every, you know, here at your church is to always have um, your spiritual leadership uh, as a voice in your life, in the voice of the collective life, speaking into those moments to help you understand what is of the Lord and what is not of the Lord, that there's a discernment process for everything so that you're not left on your own experiencing these things. You're experiencing it in community because there's safety in community. That's good, yep. Yeah. yeah. And so if, if I am of that person, I'm hearing you this morning and I'm saying to myself, okay, I do, this sounds great. I want to begin that process or I do want to... Er you know, eagerly desire yes. the spiritual gifts. I want to eagerly desire the spirit. I want to not just understand a part of God. I want to, yeah. I want, I want to learn about like all that scripture says. <laughs> What's like maybe my first step or my first couple of steps to start kind of branching out if this is new to me? Yeah, absolutely. It's for, I'd say first recognize the Holy Spirit is present with you at all times. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's residing in you. So just take inventory of that for a moment. Yeah. Holy Spirit yeah. with me right now. Wherever I go, whatever I do, Holy Spirit with me. And if you can be conscious of that, that's a great first step, just consciousness. Yeah, and the second thing is to involve that into your prayer life and into your Bible reading life. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal, to enlighten the word of God to you. Because with our own eyes, with our own human eyes, it's very difficult sometimes to understand what you read. But when the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, he, the Holy Spirit gives you understanding. It reveals Jesus in scripture. And so it is such a helpful thing. And also in our prayer life, Holy Spirit, lead me on how to pray. Show me what to pray. I don't know how to pray in this scenario. Would you guide me, lead me, give me the words, give me the thoughts, give me the scriptures to pray? That's great.
That's so helpful, Pastor Chris. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to call you Pastor Chris after we leave here. I'm just Chris after this. But <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Doctor, Doctor <laughs> Patty, it's actually Doctor. Um, so thank you for bringing this word sincerely from our church. Uh, this is a beautiful way to start our series. Amazing. Church, I'm going to invite you to stand, and I want to pray over Pastor Chris's church. Amen. And uh, isn't it exciting to know that other places in KW that the word is being preached, like we preach the word here, and people are hearing the message. Amen. 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 So let's uh, let's bless this church because they are doing good work in the kingdom. Um, they're doing things that we don't do, and we're doing things that you don't all Absolutely. together for the kingdom of God. So Lord Jesus, thank you. Uh, I also, I, I reiterate, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. Thank you that he works and moves. Mm. Thank you that he's so present now, and that all of these uh, simple things doesn't have to be so mysterious that we don't know what to do, but in fact, these simple steps to say, yes, Lord, we do say yes to yes, you. Lord. Yes, Jesus, whatever you want to do, however you want to pour yourself out. Holy Spirit, we say yes to you. We yes, want Lord. green lights. We just want to go right. from green light to green light. We want to be mindful. We want to put these things to the test and through the test, but we want to say yes in every way that we can. Right. So we do commit ourselves to that. And we pray that also for our brothers and sisters at WPA. Yes, we pray over this church. Freedom Amen. in Christ says, God, would you bless WPA and Amen. all that they're doing. We pray for their staff, their leadership, their board. Um, all who all who give direction that we pray over Chris and Kylie as they give leadership to that church God would you give them wisdom and discernment would you increase like we already heard this morning would you increase the discernment in their lives Amen. that they could lead well and hear from you daily God we pray that as that church goes into the community as as each each member uh, talks to co-workers and neighbors yes. and friends about you would you make their ministry productive Amen. and their witness so powerful yes. that many 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 people would come to know you Jesus because of what uh, is going on at WPA. So we pray a blessing and a spiritual protection over them. And we pray together as churches for our city and our region. Yes, Lord. Lord Jesus, would you do amazing things for your kingdom? Yes. We pray you would use us how you Lord, want to name. use us. And in this message, we know this morning that this is not just for us or just in this building, but that we would be empowered to do the things that you have called us to do, that we would be bold in our faith, we'd be bold in our witness, we would be effective in our ministry in every way. So we thank you for that promise, we receive it, and we bless your church and pray you would do that uh, with might and with power yes. and with your presence. We pray it together in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. 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 Thanks, Church Pat. Thank you. Pastor Chris. Thank you, WPA, if you're watching, anybody, for sharing your pastor with us this morning. Bless you guys, and we'll see you again next Sunday.